uh, we have the great schos of learning the Torah about Mashiach and Geula. And it's important to appreciate, firstly, that Rebbe strongly asked of us that we should learn Torah's Mashiach and Geula as our part in bringing Mashiach even a moment quicker. Bechlal being that believing in Mashiach and believing in the imminent coming of Mashiach and anticipating for Mashiach. All of this is, is so fundamental to Yiddishkeit. The word Mashiach is not enough just to, I believe in Mashiach. What is Mashiach? So the benefit of learning about Mashiach, it pushed, it's like learning how to keep a mitzvah. I believe in, in Shabbos, very nice. But to keep Shabbos, you have to know the Hilcha Shabbos. The more people learn about Mashiach, Pashit, the more they fulfill our obligation of believing in Mashiach. Like, what does that mean? So where are we up to? So recapping, and the recap is important. The Rambam begins this chapter by using the word Melech. Because if you want to have an image of what Mashiach is, who Mashiach is, it begins and ends with Melech. Now, when I say ends, we'll clarify that in a moment. But Melech is the definition of Mashiach. And the Rambam, who puts the laws of Mashiach at the end of the series of laws known as Hilchais Melachim, we're, up to, we're learning chapter 11. We began chapter 1 defining better a Melech. And remember, guys, that the most important function of a king is to bring security to his people. The most important function of a government, the goal of a government, is to bring security. And there is no other institution that has that goal. I know the police, the police is an extension of the government. When people say, oh, for us, security is of utmost importance. It could be, it should be that way in every institution. But the goal of a school is not to provide safety. The goal of a school is to provide education. The goal of a government is to provide security. And that's Melech HaMoshiach. Now, the Rambam in the beginning gave us the four objectives of Mashiach. He's going to restore the government, which is not a democracy, not a, par- not a parliament, not any other system other than a monarchy. And we have a lot in Halacha that defines the, the system of a, of a king government, of a, of a monarchy. We already had that historically amongst the Jewish people, even though it began with King Shaul, but there was something unique about King David. So we refer to this as the Malchus of David. So this is going to happen. There's going to be a person that's going to change the government in Israel right now. All right. And then he's going to build a temple. And he's going to gather all of the Jewish people to be in Halachic Israel. And ultimately his final function is to make sure that all of the Jewish people end up keeping all of the mitzvahs. This is where we're at. The Rambam, therefore, after we categorized Mashiach as a king, the Rambam, one of the things we learned two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, concluded in Halachi Gimel, that one should not even think that Mashiach has to perform oisois, um, that means he has to predict the future, or moifsim, or perform miracles, or innovate something in the world that never was there before in a miraculous way, or, he, or Mashiach has to bring back the dead. The Ramam writes, Aleph, it's not so. And he proves it by the fact, and he's giving just one example, that throughout the past 1,951 years since the temple was destroyed, 
every now and then there were people that were of a messianic nature. And Shita Sanambam is, is that they were not false Mashiachs. We had, sadly, some false Mashiachs. But there, there were out, throughout history people that they were potentially Mashiach. And sadly, it did not realize itself. And we're going back to the first one, or the first known one, someone who came about that Beis Amikdash was destroyed in year 69. That's the way we're going to go. In year 132, so go 69 to year 13 in the common era, there was a Jew by the name Ben Koziva. Ben Koziva was a general. He was a military man. He was not a tzaddik, you know, the way Hasidim understand tzaddikim. He, he did not have Ruach HaKodesh. He was certainly not a prophet. He did not perform any miracles. He did not pre- predict any futures. He was a fruma, military general. And he put together, he reestablished the Jewish army. And for two and a half years, we were extremely successful in kicking Rome out of Israel. They don't belong in Israel. And his stated objective was to conquer Yerushalayim, conquering it back from the Romans, in order to build the base on Mikdash. And he declared himself to be Mashiach. And Rabbi Akiva, who lived in his time, now Rabbi Akiva was the greatest tzaddik and the greatest sage of the generation. Rabbi Akiva felt that indeed this Ben Koziva is indeed Mashiach. He called him Mashiach. Not only did he call him Mashiach, but Rabbi Akiva actually became enlisted himself in the service of Ben Koziva. Now, Rabbi Akiva was not a youngster, so he did not join the, uh, the IDF, so to say. He did not join the, the Jewish army. But Rabbi Akiva used to carry his uh, articles. Rabbi Akiva behaved in public the way a student or the way a citizen behaves with his king. So who was giving whom respect in a very public way? It wasn't Ben Koziva that was giving Rabbi Akiva respect, which is normally a chassid gives the Rebbe respect. Rabbi Akiva was giving him respect. If he needed to carry something from point A to point D, Rabbi Akiva in public carried it for him because Rabbi Akiva considered him to be a melech, melech HaMashiach. Not only was that Rabbi Akiva, but because of Rabbi Akiva, the majority of the sages of that generation felt that Ben Koziva was Mashiach. The Gemara writes in tremendous detail in the Tractate of Gitin how ultimately there was a terrible downfall that Ben Koziva and our army had in the city of Beitar. And there were mamish millions of Jews who got killed during that downfall. It was a holocaust, mamish. It wasn't a holocaust that began in 1939 and it went until 1944 or 1945. It took a much shorter amount of time. But the amount of Jews that were murdered by the Romans in revenge of of his almost success was horrendous. And Rambam holds that when Ben Koziva ultimately was killed by the Romans, that did not indicate that he was a false Mashiach. This is a very important point. It just means that he did not succeed in the job of Mashiach. And again, what's the job of Mashiach? To restore the Davidic dynasty, to build a temple. So he began to restore the Davidic dynasty. And if he would have succeeded, make one thing clear, Rabbi Kiva would not have been Mashiach. That Tzaddik would not have been Mashiach. Ben Koziva would have been Mashiach. He would have been a king. He would have been the head of the government. He just failed on the way doing it. And the Ramam calls him a kosher king. He was a kosher king. And what does the Ramam prove from this part of history? Rabbi Kiva did not make a mistake. When Rabbi Kiva said he's Mashiach, Rabbi Kiva was right. And as we'll get the words that we'll begin to learn about today, there is Mashiach in potential or in Hebrew, Becheskas Moshiach, 
And then you have someone who's Vadai Moshiach. He's certainly Moshiach. In history, there were many Cheskas Moshiachs. Many of them. And when it turned out that they did not finish the job, it didn't retroactively prove that they were frauds. No, it just means that they did not succeed. Mind you, Moshe Rabbeinu was the first potential Moshiach. Moshe Rabbeinu, as we learn Chumash, in Chedid, in Beis Yaakov, in Beis Rivka, in Beis Rebbe, whatever the name of the Moisir is, that Moisha Rabbeinu, when he was insisting to enter the land of Israel, it wasn't, God forbid, selfishly, oh, I want to I wanna go in there. Moisha Rabbeinu's insistence with God Almighty to enter Eretz Yisrael was in order for him to build a temple, and if that would have happened, then Moisha Rabbeinu would have been Mashiach. Now, Moshe Rabbeinu had tremendous qualities beyond the king. Moshe Rabbeinu was a prophet. Moshe Rabbeinu was the greatest prophet that ever lived. Moshe Rabbeinu performed many miracles in the world, beginning with Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim. So no one is saying that Moshiach is not allowed to have the qualities of being a tzaddik, of being a prophet, of being a miracle performer. Could be. But that's not the criterion of Moshiach, and this is not needed in order for this person to be Moshiach. That's important. So that's the Rambam's proof. And then he made point number two. This is all part of our review. The Rambam writes that whoever adds to the mitzvahs, whoever adds to the mitzvahs, like whoever subtracts to the mitzvahs, is considered a heretic. A koifer. And the way the Rebbe explains the Rambam, what the Rambam is trying to say is, is that if a person will envision or insist that Moshiach has to be some sort of superman, he's a heretic or she's a heretic. Again, we're not saying that they are that we don't accept the possibility for them to be great tzaddikim or great prophets. It could be. But that's not the function of Mashiach. Mitzvahs can never be performed through miraculous means. The whole idea of mitzvahs is that God came down to this natural world and He wants us in the natural world through natural means to fulfill the mitzvahs. A mitzvah that's performed through a miracle is halachically not even valid. With all the questions, like we mentioned, so what was the whole thing of Hanukkah? Didn't God make a miracle in that oil? How was it valid? That's a very good question. It has to be answered. So therefore, since Moshiach is not about miracles, Moshiach does not need to be a miracle person, does not need to be a prophet. And if you link one with the other by insisting, by envisioning, I believe in Mashiach, and you have this image of some sort of Superman that's going to split the sea and make other miracles, then, then you are a heretic according to the Rambam. Wow. So if push it here, you see that how important it is to learn the laws in Rambam about Mashiach, because if not, we say we believe in Mashiach. Yeah, it's try to imagine Mashiach. So again, I'm not, even, I'm not going into the who's the Mashiach it's, I'm not going to that at all. We're not there. We can speak about it in a few weeks from now. But wh- whoever it's going to be, don't create in the in the psyche a mold of a miracle performance. Daf cannot. If he'll have that as well, good for him. If, if Mashiach will be a prophet as well, good for him. You know, same thing. We, we, David HaMelech could have been Mashiach. David HaMelech was a prophet. True. We're not saying that he may not be a prophet, but that's not, he won't be a Mashiach based on prophecy. And nothing that he will do will be based on miracles. It's going to be a natural process of things. When you set up a government, a government has a power. Through the power of a government, 
naturally, the first step is, like we mentioned, he's going to destroy our enemies, which means, Pashat, that when Mashiach is going to come, sadly, there are many enemies to the Jewish people, now in Tavshin Pei, and Mashiach's first functions will be to wage tremendous wars, and he will annihilate them completely. And amen, we should witness that. How great will that be? Okay. Now, we're going to start continuing in the fourth halacha. People, if you want, you can follow this along. And the Rambam writes, the Im Yamoid Melech David. If a king from the house of David will arise, Hoige Batoira, someone who is very much into Toira learning, Mashiach has to be a Jew that is a great scholar. When I speak about Hoige Batoira, very importantly, and this is for all of us, it doesn't mean, well, how much do you know? How many uh, do you know the whole Tanakh by heart? How many pages of Talmud do you know by heart? No, no, no. Choyge Batoida means a Jew that is continuously learning. Toida is limitless. So no one knows it all. No one. No one. Even Moshe Rabbeinu could not have known it all because Moshe Rabbeinu is a human being. And Toida is God's. And the Toida is infinite. So there's, that's why that no matter how long we will live, we will always be able to grow in our Toida scholarship. There is never a point where I know it all. So Choyge Batoida and their success and the importance for a Jew to be into Torah learning is never about how much scholarship do you have, but it's about how many hours are you learning every day. We, part of our religion, and this is by obligation for men and by option for women in most cases, is that I'm obligated to put on tefillin, I'm obligated to put on tefillin. I'm obligated to spend many hours every day learning Torah. I need to find the heter not to learn the whole day. The heter is, oh, making a living trumps learning Torah. Which means that if I'm not making a living, then I have to go learn Torah. Being involved in the family life trumps Torah. So if a person has a wife and they have children, and you have to be of help and you have to be of help, so during that time you can't learn Torah. In other words, there, there has to be a halachic reason that justifies one not learning day and night. If not for that, learn. If a person needs a break, fine. So a break is also okay. But it's in order for me to be able to learn better. So first of all, Mashiach will be a king. And he's going to be into title learning. Number two, V'oisig B'mitzvahs. He's going to be Oisig B'mitzvahs. Oisig B'mitzvahs. Asik. You know what Asik means? Asik means business. The Rebbe spoke about this so many times. It's not enough to do mitzvahs. Doing mitzvahs we have to do mitzvahs the way a businessman does business. Meaning, for you to succeed in business, you may never have a product and say, when the customer will come to me, if they'll show interest, then I'll sell it to them. People who do business this way go out of business very quick. Part of business, you have to sell. Oisig mitzvahs means that his way of being observant is not, God forbid, the way we say in Lashon HaKodesh, Ani es nafshi yitzalti, I saved myself. I'm observant. Other yidin, it's on them. I don't care about them. Oisig mitzvahs means that his way of mitzvahs, his involvement in mitzvahs, is an occupation like a business person. We are out there promoting the observance of mitzvahs for everyone around us. Now, thank God, we are lucky that we have a Rebbe, and we, we were educated this way, and it was role-modeled for us, but it's kind of awesome. 
this is a big function of Mashiach. The function of Mashiach, as we'll see in a moment, it's not only that he learns or that he keeps mitzvahs, that he's teaching the Torah to others, that he's inspiring others to keep the mitzvahs, like David his father. And you should know, David HaMelech, amazing, he was, he was a link in our tradition. He was the greatest sage of his time. And he was a sage because he sat and learned day and night as a king. Even as a king, the Gemara tells us that he would wake up midnight. He used to wake up midnight. Midnight is the, during the, 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 that entire period of the night. The government is closed. That is when people were not keeping him occupied with his function as a king. And he learned. In other words, that he's going to be occupied in the mitzvahs, both in the written Torah and in the oral Torah. So that's number one. Number two, says Rambam, that he will force all the Jews to go in its path. He will force. And and he will fix its breaches. A breach means that in every generation, in every time, there are certain mitzvahs that people become lax in. And we can know we know this in our generation. And the sadness, this the tragedy of becoming lax in a mitzvah is that listen, God gave us a Yetzir Hara. And everyone has their area or their areas in Yiddishkeit where it's hard for them to do it. And 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 I'm not justifying anyone slacking off in something, but that's life. We are better in some mitzvahs and we have growth to do in other areas. But when I have growth in a certain area, at least it's, it's important for me to acknowledge that I am not yet by the madrega that I have to be. I have to grow. Because my observance is, uh, is lacking. But there is no breach by me. So uh, just as a muscle, as an example, a person who knows, I got to daven three times a day with the minion. I know that. Eloma, for whatever reason, it's hard for me, and I'm not doing it yet. Or if a woman knows, I have to daven, I have to daven every day. I have to daven every day. For me, it's difficult. I'm not doing it yet. That's not called a breach. A breach is when people erroneously say, since no one davens anyway, ah, women don't daven. You know what it means? You don't have to daven. Or, you know, the, the way that people say, since in this area, let's say, of tznius, no one is keeping anyway, means that it's no longer needed. That's called a breach. It's it's comic. Um, why would people think that? But that's what ends up happening. That in every generation, if there is an area or areas where many people, for whatever reason, are becoming lax, eventually people decide that's that's So part of the function of Mashiach is to fix to mend the breaches. Mending the breaches has a lot to do with education, with learning. When people learn, they will at least realize, Oy, Gavalt, the way I'm doing it is not good yet. And hopefully, sooner or later, hopefully sooner than later, the person will grow, because we all want to grow. But at least to grow, I have to know where I'm going. So let's stop over here for a second. So Moshiach, he writes, is a king that has to be himself diligent in total learning and diligent in observance, but observance in a way where he's bringing the mitzvahs out here. And... The words of the Rambam is, he will force all of the Jewish people to go on his path. Now this concept of force is very much connected to Melech. And we're going to speak about this, either we'll finish this today, or we'll, be, we'll introduce this today. 
And the Rebbe spoke about this numerous times. The difference between a Melech and a Rebbe, or let me just use this in English, the difference between a government and a teacher is that a teacher's job is to inspire one's students to go on the right path. The more force a teacher uses, the, the worse educator the teacher is. Now, not every teacher is perfect, and there are certain circumstances that force is needed. I'm not, God forbid, even speaking about physical force, but any type of force. The ideal teacher is a teacher that figures out how to get that student so excited about whatever the topic is, that the student on their own, because of their curiosity, because of their excitement, they want it. That is the ideal teacher. In other words, the function in Hebrew of a Rebbe, and even the way Hasidim use Rebbe, the function of a Rebbe is to use zero coercion and only inspiration. The function of a government, a government has to get the job done. Like, let's go to security. Of course, of course, in the long run, we want for all mankind to be inspired and to be appreciative of the value of not being violent. And not robbing. That's the goal. But what happens before people are on that madrega? And they're going out and robbing right now. That's some of the foolishness of the debate that's happening now. In the last moment of this golos. No. Police is coercion. A government is mechoyev to stop crime by hook or by crook, they say in English. Of course, better if you can educate the people and in the long run, that's the way to do it. Better if you can inspire the person. Why are you stealing? It's not even good for you. But until that person is open to be, to be educated and to be inspired, you got to stop them. And if need be, by force, by force, even physical force. If someone is doing a crime in those parts of this country that there's still a police force that are doing what they're supposed to do, you got to stop the criminal. If someone is breaking into a store, the police are mechoyev to stop him. If they don't do that, then they abnegated their function of government. They gave up the whole reason to exist. So when the Rambam is speaking about Melech Mashiach, you'll notice he uses the words force. Force means exactly what the Israelis hate, what they call religious coercion. So there's going to be, if needed, if needed, religious coercion during the initial stages of Mashiach's kingship, which everyone is going to be forced to keep all the commandments. He's going to make violating the Torah illegal. Pashat. Illegal. The way stealing now is illegal. The way, hopefully, in some places, the way killing should be illegal. And if a person breaks these laws then they're going to be held, taken to trial and, and the punishment is jail here in America. The Torah has different punishments. But Mashiach will use the power of its governance. It's going to be a religious government. And therefore, we use the words, V'yachuf. Now, I want to stop over here. Yeah, I want to stop. Over, so we wanted to ask something. Oh, I was going to ask something. Go ahead. Um, isn't it very anti-Chabad, like how Chabad works? Like forcing and... Like, it sounds like from a place of, I don't want to say anger, but usually Chabad, I'm not saying it's going to be Chabad uh, government, but it's so anti what we learn, how you're supposed to bring people closer through love. 
Okay, so that's that's a great point. So I can st- I'll talk. I was going to go from a different angle, but I want to I want to push and make this real. In some of the final, it's a it's a foolish struggle now. I don't see the debate over here, but there is a debate going on in this in this United States, right? If you can call it a debate, and sadly you have a tremendous amounts of people, or what appears to be a lot of people that definitely now have a lot of political influence that made a whole campaign to abolish the police. What are they saying? What are they saying? They're not saying, Yafa, abolish the police. They're not saying, and let murder happen. I don't know what they're thinking, but they're not saying that. They're saying that that replace the police with what? With social workers, with educators. They're arguing what you just said. That the way the way forward, the way forward is that we got to use less force and more dialogue and more respect and more inspiration. So first of all, every 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 concept has some emiss in it, right? But but what's the counter to that? The counter that to that is the people that are pro police are not arguing that we are against inspiring and educating and respecting we're not against it the question is before that individual is on that madrega before you get there right now that individual is about to break into my store right now he's about to break into my store what do you do right now and the answer is that the bottom line is laws have to be kept up and therefore if sadly um for a short period of time, for, for that individual, you need you need to use power, then you gotta use power. Put him in handcuffs, put him in jail. We're not a, we're not for opening up the jails. Chabad is not for opening up the jails. How does it go with Chabad Shita? We are all for uh, ed- inspiring. We hold now that you are in jail, that's not the end of it all. Let's go into the jails, look at the Olive Institute and other beautiful Moises, and let's do our best to re-educate people. In the long run, force is horrible. But in the short run, sometimes force is needed. Let me bring this more, not in the world, but into the person. Into the person. All right? Let's go. I, I want to be fully compliant with what God wants, which Jew doesn't. We were created by God. We're here to serve Hashem. What is our challenge? Our challenge is, is that within us, God placed a Yetzir Hara. And everyone has a different Yetzir Hara. But let me focus a moment on the areas in which I struggle. That means that my Yetzir wants me to go on this way, and I know that God wants me to go on the opposite way. How do people deal with their own Yetzir Hara? And there are two ways. Let's make this more refined. The ultimate goal at the end you know what the goal will be? That I will figure out how to inspire my Yetzir Hara to become transformed. I'll convince my Yetzir Hara that the Yetzir Hara wants me to do the right thing. Like Hasidah says, that's Sadik. It's called Hisabcha. Hisabcha means that the animal became, became, became holy. But we don't begin that way. We have to begin with, the, with what Hasidah calls Hiskafya. What does Hiskafya mean? Hiskafya means to, to coerce. Hiskafya means to bend. Hiskafya means that I have to figure out how to tell my animal soul before you are re-educated, before you animal soul, before you yourself become excited and aligned with what Hashem wants. Before we, That's the goal. But until we get there, it doesn't mean you have free reign. You are hungry on Yom Kippur, can't eat. 
That's called force. That is force. When a Jew is hungry on Yom Kippur and they don't eat, that's force. That's not anti-Chabad. And, and by the way, a tzaddik is not hungry. A tzaddik has no hunger on Yom Kippur. And I know that all of us merit every now and then certain Yom Kippur moments during Yom Kippur that when you're standing, whenever it is, and you feel so inspired, you don't want to eat. That's taka moment where you don't have to fight against yourself. You're in a different world. Elamah, we have these moments occasionally, sometimes very occasionally. And at the end, we're going to be all inspired the whole time. So 100% as a goal, we're not for force. But what happens until then? Or make this real in your home, in our homes, we have children. So again, we are educators, we are supposed to be educators. So the goal of a parent is, I want for my children to be excited about Yiddishkeit. That's my goal. I want my child to love and look forward to Shabbos. Good. Now what happens right now, there is a child that, 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 that is not excited about Shabbos. So what, what do we do? We tell the child, well, if you're not there yet, do what you want. Or we tell the child, you're not there yet, but these are the rules. What, what do we do? That's what we do. Shabbos is Shabbos. Whether the child is uh, happy that he can't open up a light or can't go on to his device or not, that's the way it's got to be. Now, there's many levels of force, right? The ultimate level of force is, like I mentioned, when there's crime and there's a person, force doesn't only have to be physical force. But whenever, there, as long as there is still an animal soul in the world, as long as there is still the Yetzir Hara in the world, that's within the person, which also means that out there there are opposing forces, God's rule has to, has to reign. What God wants has to happen. The question is, how do we get there? And it's always going to be that way. That's the whole Hasidus. Yeah? We begin with Eskafya, and then we graduate to Esapra. Now, if the force is coming from a bad place, that's where it's unhealthy. So if you have an unhealthy human being, and they somehow need to, to, uh, to express a control, control freaks, these are people with very low self-esteem, and then they use religion as their excuse for controlling others, that is where the recipient of the force senses it, and it, then, then you got trouble. Then you got trouble. But when you have a good educator, and the educator doesn't, doesn't want to use force, the educator wants to inspire you. But if once in a while a kid in the classroom misbehaves, and the teacher says, I love you, but because of this, the consequence will be, whatever the punishment will be, you got to learn a, a paid tanya by heart, whatever the punishment is, right? By us, it will stand in the corner, whatever, the, that's a, not a good punishment. The teacher sometimes will have to use some sort of coercion. I hope I answered your question. Yes, thank you. And and being again that Moshiach here in chapter eleven is a king, Melech Moshiach, and again the function of a king is to provide security. A king, a government is never allowed to say that since ideally I want to inspire my citizens. And if I'm going to use force to stop them breaking the law, they won't be inspired. They're going to feel forced. So I didn't really transform them. I'm going to cut them some slack and let them vent their anger. And therefore, I think they'll respect me better. And therefore, they'll listen to my dialogue. And in 10 years, I'll re-educate them. That is a, a government that has no right to exist. Because they are failing in their goal of providing safety. So coming back, so Mashiach's main function, Mashiach is a king. And as a king, he will force the Eden. Now, don't think, 
Let's look at the Rebbe. The Rebbe is great. Don't think that force has to mean um, physical force. If it's needed, and ultimately mitzvahs are going to stand. But for most people, I'm talking about for 99% of the people, it's not needed. For most people, for most Yidin, at least people that I know, force is a, is a debate. Think about it. Most of us, I think all the people we know, are people that really want to do the right thing. Really want to do the right thing. And, we, and we, most of us, or all of the people that we know, the confusion is, what is the right thing? We don't struggle I mean, we have other. I'm, talk, I'm not talking about the lo, the the lower human struggle that I know what the right thing is, but I have a yetsar hara. There, I know what's right. I know what's wrong. I got to deal with that. Here also, I got to do iskafia. Iskafia. I have to I have to I have to subdue myself. I have to have the gevura, the healthy, holy gevura of telling me no. You want it? Big deal. You can't get it. God says no, and God's will is going to rule. That's force. But I'm talking about even bechlal. How do I, how, how, and even that, how did I get to there? It has to do with Seichel. You know, when two people are debating what value is correct, who will win? The one that made more sense. That's also called force. When, when you, when you win a debate and you prove to someone that your value is better than their value, your value system, or, you know, that Yiddishkeit is emes. When you prove to a person that's not yet observant, if they are really intellectually honest, if you prove to them, know that it must be that Torah was given to God on Sinai, you know, many people became true because of that. That's called force. That's also force. You know, you, you debated with them, you enlightened them, you argued with them, and your argument trumped their argument. That's also called force. Or there's many levels of force. But again, ultimately, ultimately, the goal of safety, which is a melech, and in the, in the context for Eden, which is keeping the mitzvahs, it has to be upheld. Now, let me go further. So we'll stop over here a moment. So again, forcing. Now, now that I gave that whole drasha to answer Yafa's point, now I'm going to contradict myself. But I'm just quoting what the Rebbe said. And the Rebbe pointed out the following challenge. We are learning the 11th chapter in Hilchas Malachim, which is the chapter in where the Rambam halachically defines Mashiach. However, this is not the only time that the Rambam speaks about Mashiach. The Rambam, amongst other places, speaks about Mashiach in the laws of Tshuva. And I have here, I've opened the ninth chapter of the laws of Tshuva. And over there in Halacha Beis, the Rambam writes things that he doesn't mention here at all. The Rambam writes over here that you should know that king that will get up from the descendants, from the seed of David, says Rambam, He will be wiser than King Solomon. You know what that means? Shlema HaMelech was the wisest person that ever lived so far. Moshiach will be wiser than King Solomon. And the Navi Godel, he'll be a great prophet, almost as great as Moshiach. And therefore, he will educate all the people, and he'll guide them, and the Goyim will come to listen to him, etc., etc. So all of the commentators ask, Rambam makes such an important point here in the halachas that we are learning, in the laws in Hilchah Ismailachim, to say that Moshiach will not be a prophet. He writes clearly. 
He won't be a prophet. Don't think that he'll have to be a prophet. And if you think that he has to be a prophet, then you are a heretic. You're superimposing ideas on Moshiach. That's not the Moshiach of the Torah. Moshiach is a king. He's the head of a government. And here at Amba, Menuch Shuba writes that he's going to be very wise. What, Ben Koziva was wiser than King Solomon? Of course he was not. He was for sure not. And Abakiva thought he was Moshiach. So that's a big challenge that everyone has. And the Rebbe brilliantly responds by saying the following, that Moshiach has two functions, his primary function and a secondary function. Moshiach's primary function is what we're learning right now about. He's going to be a king, and he's going to restore the Davidic dynasty, and he's going to build a temple, and he's going to gather the Jews, and, he's, and all of us are going to keep all the mitzvahs as a king. And as we just learned right now, in order to get all the Jews to call them, if need be, he'll use force. His initial accomplishments will be by force. You know what says the Rebbe? That Mashiach has a secondary function. Not Melech, but Rabbeinu, Rebbe Mashiach, teacher. Moshe Rabbeinu, he'll be a teacher. As a teacher, he won't use any force. As a teacher, he will inspire. But chronologically, says the Rebbe, it's going to happen at a later phase. That means that whoever will, 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 will be Becheskas Moshiach, and then finally will succeed, and Ben Koziva did not succeed to build a temple, but whoever will finally succeed in building the temple and gathering the Jews, and getting all the Jews to be observant, and if need be by force, then, then what? then his function of a king is not needed anymore. He did it. And Mashiach himself will then become elevated. And even if he wasn't a prophet beforehand, he will then be inspired with tremendous prophecy and with tremendous wisdom. And then people who are already keeping mitzvahs will graduate from keeping mitzvahs because of his kafya. We will all ultimately graduate to keeping mitzvahs because of his apcham. In the long run, at a certain point, no coercion will be needed. And the moment he won't need to coerce, not the Jewish people in keeping the mitzvahs. And as we'll continue, God willing, next week, that the final role of Mashiach is to influence the goyim to keep the sheva mitzvahs b'nei noyach. They're also, in the beginning, by force, if need be. But ultimately, mankind will be re-refined and they won't need any coercion, which is amazing. So Rambam and Elchaz Tshuva is speaking about the secondary, long-term function of the person, of Mashiach. And then, even though we can still call him king, but there, there won't be a need of it. You know, we believe that just like when we were in the desert, we did not really have a government. We, for 40 years... There were millions of Jews in the desert, our grandparents, and there wasn't really a government. Meaning that you had Torah teachers, you had Torah scholars, you had judges. When people had a dispute, they went to the judges. But more or less, everyone was inspired enough to do what they were told is the will of God. You know, when you have a real, properly educated and inspired Ruchniyazdika people, you don't need a government. For what? You can say you need a government to protect us from our enemies. When the whole world will be inspired and they will be on the right track and everyone is going to be pursuing becoming closer to Hashem and understanding better what God wants from their lives, you won't need any protection. 
When you live in a world where there are no ganavim, like that, we're going to learn it. We're going to get there. You know, there's no there's no unhealthy competition. There's no hunger. There's no illness. Everyone has an abundance of material things. Then the uh, the concept of a government, you know, there won't be armies. There won't be a need. Countries will not be going war against each other. So you won't need an army. You won't need an army. You won't need a police force. Then Taka, you know, they're they're like they're 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 sensing Mashiach is coming. So abolish the police force will be something that will happen naturally at a certain phase after Mashiach succeeds in being Mashiach because it won't be needed. And then, not that Mashiach becomes irrelevant, then Mashiach will be transformed into a Moses type of figure. Not into a king, but into a Rabbeinu type of figure. And for a teacher to properly inspire, they have to be very wise and even more Mashiach's level of inspiration will come from the fact that Mashiach will be a prophet. And that's how we reconcile the, the Hilchas of Mashiach with Hilchas Tshuva. And, the, and that all goes back to the question, is it, is it that we aren't we against coercion? Yeah. Ultimately, coercion is never the way to go. But in the short run, when need be, when there's something so important that has to happen or not happen, and it's going in the wrong direction, then we are obligated for safety when your kid is about to cross the La Cienega Boulevard, when they're two years old, they don't understand what they're doing, then you can be the greatest insp- insp- inspirational parent. You're obligated to hop your kid by the hand, and hold him back, by force. You know why? Because your parent, you're mechoyev to, to protect them. That's the force that Mashiach will use in the beginning, and then we will graduate, so Mashiach will graduate as well. All right, any questions?